to the Laughing Monkey Me Show, Trayvon. Tommy Caradonna, how are you? Good, man. How you doing, Sean? Good, good. Well, we can we could do this. I don't know what I'm trying to put a little, little tag. Now, for people that aren't aware, now, actually, I want to say, when, when this whole thing was approached to me, I want to say when um, we were a mutual friend to connect us, and, and your name came across, and you've done work with a, yeah, with a bunch of artists. The first visual of one of the artists, I'm not going to say who it is yet, I actually thought of was a certain Lita Ford video. Yes. I was like, I wonder if that's him. And I got to preface that by saying a few years ago, as I with the show was on, I reach out to different artists and sometimes they're not always as well known or different different aspects of celebrity. And I always wondered what happened to that. I was like, I wonder what those guys are doing right now. Because some people go off and do other things from that time period or they're different bands or whatever. So I was always curious. I actually did come across the thing. So it's kind of funny now that, that we've kind of crossed paths mm-hmm. <laughs> naturally. Um, if you don't know you, you are, you are a, a bass player, but you want to share a little bit about some of the bands you played with before we get into where you're at now? Um, bands, uh, when I moved out to Los Angeles in 84 as a kid and uh, attended uh, GIT, Musicians Institute, and graduated. Um, shortly after that, started going to auditions as a guitar player and um, was not really feeling um, my guitar prowess. Um, but I always had an affinity with bass. And going to auditions, I noticed that the bass players in Los Angeles weren't at the time weren't great. It just yeah. was. And I'm like, I, I think I can do this, you know? And um, so uh, I switched over to bass and started going and having auditions and getting gigs. And it was great. It was great. Who was your first band you got into that really got you launched? It doesn't have to be a big name band. What, what band was it? It, there? it was Lita. It was Lita for, was, for sure. Okay. Yeah. And then, um, We'll hop back to Lita in a minute, but what are the bands that you've been in that people may have known you from? Um, I've toured with uh, Lita, with Alice Cooper, with White Lion, and some other artists you might not have heard of. Blue guitarist J.D. Simo. Um, Yeah. And and as I realized this stuff, I look back, once I realized what you've done, I'm like, oh, I've seen you a million times now. You're like like that actor that everyone goes, oh, I know him. He's He's like in every, you know, detective show and everything. You're in everything. (laughs) <laughs> you know because you are you're you're like especially in the 80s you were like that guy you were in like uh oh it's a leader force the home video i don't know what it's called yeah. actually you were the whole yeah, live from, um, the, the live from wembley uh oh. arena that yep. one yes yes we were opening for bon jovi on that tour and that was in europe yeah actually, and then yeah, i did it was a great that. tape that was a great vhs tape it's a great show it really it was a lot of fun that tour was great that 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 uh Open up for Bon Jovi was great. Um, and the tours we did in the United States uh, were great too. It was all, it was a lot of fun. It was a good band. I mean, it was very, it was really a great good. band. She assembled a great band. She really did. She, um, we, uh, I, Charlie, the Charlie Dabba, the drummer, um, was the first one. I think he played with her before, mm-hmm. um, before she had uh, gotten that signing with uh, BMG Records. And so he was the drummer, and they're the ones I auditioned for, her and uh, Charlie and Lita. Yeah. And uh, down at Mates rehearsal. It was it was great because I didn't expect anything. Um, I had to fight to get off at work because um, I'd gone to other d- auditions before that. And my boss was like, no, you're not going. And I remember 
being really cramped and sitting, uh, you know, at, near the roach coach. And one of the teachers, because I was painting at GIT, okay. and uh, and uh, Artie Renshaw, and he and I was sitting. He's like, "Tell me what's wrong." And I'm just like, "Man, Rick won't let me go to an audition." He's like, "What'd you move out of here for? Are you going to be a painter or to play? Go to play. Just go to your fucking audition." So I did, and it was a, it was the right move. That was a great uh, thing you put that in the back of a shirt. It's your yeah. name and the little quote there. What'd you come out here for? <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's really good. It's a good mantra for anybody for like what you want to do and why yeah. you can't do it. You know what I mean? Like why are you really doing it? Like what's stopping? Well, there's always, if you're a musician, you're always struggling against something. You know, uh, it's either your your parents, your family think it's a bad idea, and nine times out of ten, it probably is. You know, um, but um, if you're driven and you want to do it, you know, it's great. You know, and, and I think is it, it is challenging, but depending on what you want to do as a musician, you, you always have to work at anything you do. It's not just handed to you. Yeah. But you can kind of say that with a, like a lot of things. Anything you want to do where you're trying to grow at, you're mm -hmm. always thinking ahead from something like a musician, as big as a musician, or something small as me who has a small show. You're, you're probably planning ahead three weeks out, four weeks out. You're always, you always have to be moving. You know yeah. what I mean? And Sean, you're, you're always you're constantly the, the student. If you're a musician, you are constantly learning, always, always, you know. How long did you stay with Lita? Um, I toured with Lita that whole tour, um, got hired in 87, and we played till we, the last gig we did on that tour was with Ozzy at um, Long Beach Arena with Anthrax, mm -hmm. and um, then that tour was done, and um uh, I got later on, I got hired by Alice Cooper to do his Trash is the World tour. And then after that tour, I got hired by White Lion to finish their main attraction tour. Yeah. Um, they had a problem with their, the band was, was kind of splitting up. And so they had to finish their obligation. And I did that. And then I did another tour with Lita, her uh, Dangerous Courage tour. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah. wow. So you left on good terms. It was just a break between. Cause didn't she do something else in between there? Uh, we just done a bunch of stuff. I love Lita. I think she's great. Um, I, I she's done quite a few things, you know. She's a great guitar player. I'm actually glad she's she is back a great guitar player. I'm it's glad she's back from her sabbatical of yeah. not playing. I mean, she came back. Yeah, and she well, was, she's ripping. Yeah, she. Um, I remember when I I remember being in rehearsals. I remember her playing like High Way starting off for no. And I'm like, she can play. She's actually really freaking good. She is. I think that was hard. I mean, you know, I remember going back and first hearing it, the song, and that's a good song, and I had, you know, whatever, like everything else, and you listen to it. And I went back and I listened to the other albums, which were a little bit more guitar-oriented. Because at this yeah. point, yeah, at this point, though, with her and all the bands were mm -hmm. all being pointed in more of a commercial area anyhow, and the guitar was a little bit different, I think, in the first or couple, first two. The first two really show off yeah, the raw talent, you know, and the other ones are you know, definitely a different, you can't really tell who's playing what. But well, I think she got a, she got another record deal, and then she had uh, Sharon Osbourne as manager, and I think everything was pointing her to more of a um, successful trajectory. Yeah. You know, definitely. I mean, even Ozzy's sound changed a little bit too towards that time. Everyone kind of tweaked towards a little bit. You know, and that's just how it went. Um, Alice Cooper, so Alice. totally, totally, what, what what a crazy tour that was. Who's who's on the lineup for that tour? Who was on that tour? Um, okay, so um, I was the first one hired. And then um, Pete Friesen, who is in actually the Poison video playing bass. 
Uh, a lot of people thought that was me, but it wasn't me. It was Pete playing bass. Um, and then next was hired. We had some drummers and we were having a real hard time with drummers. And then Al Petrelli um, get, was hired. And Al's yeah. a phenomenal guitar player. And yeah. then we got Derek Sherinian. And then eventually we ended up getting a drummer, which at the time was Jonathan Mover. And Jonathan was great. And Jonathan last a few months. And then um, he had to go to another, I think he had to go back to um, Joe Satriani or something. And then we got Eric Singer. And Eric completed the rest of that tour. Wow, the lineup. Who are you replacing his bass, though? Because Kip had already been out for there were a couple tours before that. I, um, I want to say, I don't really know. I mean, Alice has a lot of musicians. Um, he does. I think it was, um, is it... <laughs> I, I, I don't remember. Okay. I just, Steel, I, I think. I don't know. I'm trying to think. There was a, but there was a couple of years. There was a period even with Alice's team where I'm not sure where it went. Like once Kane and and Kip left, up until the, the newest lineup he's had for the past ten years, he's had a pretty stable group mm -hmm. of people that kind of come in that do it. Everyone is in between. It's kind of like kind of <laughs> a blur. Yeah, it feels like there's a lot. They all they always hire great musicians, but they're never around very long, you know. This one he's had for a while though. Um, touring yes. with like, so, like, what did you take away from touring with Alice though? Like, did you learn anything? Any kind of different things? I mean, uh, he's been doing it for a while, and he'd been sober at that point too. So the the, the rock and roll life had changed for him. Yes. Um. I. I mean, Alice was was awesome. Sometimes just there playing, just watching Alice and what a what a great performer he is and what a great singer he is, you know, yeah. and, um, and a professional, he's very professional. Um, and on top of it, he has a wicked, great sense of humor. I, I mean, a great sense of humor. He really does. I remember we were, we were touring, we were in France and uh, Paris and we were doing a show and Steve Bader's wife was at that, that show. Really? And he dedicated under my wheels to Stip Bader, who got hit by a car in, right. in Paris, you know. So, not that he was being hard on it, but, you know, he sold the humor in it. And I think everybody sold the humor in it, you know. Hopefully his wife did, too. <laughs> oh, I'm sure she did, you know. Yeah, he did a little tongue-in-cheek. That's pretty funny. I've heard a lot of good things about him. I've heard that he's just... One of the best things I think I hear about him is he's, he doesn't do... Uh, he doesn't have a phone. Like to, to reach him, you have to reach his wife. And she... And I was like, he just doesn't. I love They're that. Taking care of all it's, that. Yeah, I remember. It's like it's like so wholesome. Like I don't have a phone. I play golf and go yeah. to the stage and like like he's just like the nicest guy. Um, yeah, yeah. So then you did was that so wait did you white white line after that and that was you you went with Mike and and, and Mike actually Mike just saw that not long ago. Yeah, Mike and Vito. Mike and Vito. Yeah, yeah. You replaced the the rhythm section at that yeah, point. Yeah, Greg and Greg and James. Yeah. Were you in that home video too? I, was, I went back. Um, I am in the home video. Yes, the I think I uh, know Sleep to Brooklyn. I think it is. Yeah, I think something like that. Yeah, I, I we were in rehearsals. Yeah, and I believe the they have a little video of the last show we did, just a little tiny. It was yeah. great. I I enjoyed playing those guys. They're really good. They're very talented. I mean, Vito's a phenomenal guitar player. You're probably nice the last people to play with. Vito's them. Italian, so it was nice to have somebody to talk Italian with. It was kind of nice. You know that you're probably one of the last people to play play with them with Vito. Probably last time I played with yeah, him too. Yeah. I yeah, I haven't I haven't seen him in a long time. Um, it would be cool if him and Mike were able to do something, but you know, I, I, it's what yeah. it is. You know, I think Mike's doing something. 
He, um, I had him on about a month or two ago, and yeah. he just did a. Uh, well, part of the struggle was I think they so they finished up with you guys. Yeah, and you guys were a good lineup because I, I didn't realize it was you at the time because I just actually went back and watched the video before I did the interview because I was kind of curious with the timestamp because mm-hmm. he did it. He just released an album. It was um, reimagined songs, so he he's yeah. he did like acoustic versions, but he sings them differently to his mm-hmm. voice now. He's not trying to be anything different because he has a full soul career and he's got a lot of really good songs. He's got really yeah. soul stuff. Yeah. Um, him and Vito did something. I don't know. It wouldn't be the same anymore. Anyhow, um, I think the time's gone. You know. Uh, if they did something together, it would be nice to see, hear Vito play to begin with. It's too nice to have him go out and play. But I mean, White Lion days are done. Um, I, honestly, I mean, my, I, w- I, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind to see those originals guys get back together. Uh-huh. I really do. I knew, J- I knew Greg. I knew James. I think um, I think it'd be great. But, you know. Yeah. James is doing pretty good. Awesome. Isn't, with, isn't James with uh, Megadeth right now? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. He's, he's doing okay. I don't have to. Yeah, he's doing okay with Megadeth, right? That's a good, that's a good gig. <laughs> I think so. I think he did it before for some reason. He did. He did. He did. I think he's yeah. the alternate for uh, for Dave Jr. Um, yeah, for sure. That's what it feels like to me. So, so after that, though, what have you did? What have you been up to since then? I mean, you you've done some. You have your own setup there. We're at now. I I um I've been all over the place. I did some um I did some touring with a blues cat in Arizona. J.D. Simon was a phenomenal music. He was 15 years old at the time. Never heard a bad note out of him. Um, he might be another person in Nashville now. Um, and after that, I, I came back to Columbus so I could try doing my own music because um, I'm a writer too, and I wanted the, the the ability to do that. And Los Angeles, it was you know, it's it's money's tight out there. So to get everything I needed yeah. to do, it was it was a lot more uh, feasible to do it here. And I did, and it was cool, and I enjoyed it. It was great. And um, didn't get the response I was hoping for. Um, and then um, life got in the way, and my the opportunity to play for my brother's band, which is the Reaganomics. My brother ended up getting uh, brain cancer. Um, glioblastoma and um, he asked me to do that gig so I've been doing it since 2011 oh wow and that's another band in Columbus was my hometown heroes was a band called Rosie um, Rosie the guitar player Mark Chatfield originally from the band the gods and um He's been the touring guitar player for Bob Seger for decades now. Um, so they did a reunion show, and I've done a couple of reunion shows for them. Their bass player, Robert West, died in a motorcycle accident. So that's been doing it, and it was great. So it's an accomplishment. Yeah, got some, got some, uh, got some, well, it's the fact you think you're keeping busy still and you're still playing out. I mean, things yeah. are really weird, weird for music. Though. Like all, a lot of bands, they all either stopped, they came back. I mean, between, when grunge came in, anybody that had rock credentials weren't looked at, you know, yeah. doesn't matter well, how good you just... are, or what else you did. And then, and then, you know, and then everything's finally got going again. And then COVID came. <laughs> yeah. It, it messed with a lot up. of people. I mean, even as in the band we're doing, which is just regional, it, it put a kibosh on a lot of things. It was, um, cause you have to wear masks and then you couldn't have people together, but they slowly loosened all that. Yeah. So things were kind of running normally, but I think it took a toll on a lot of things. I think a lot, a lot of bands didn't survive 
I think a yeah. lot of clubs didn't survive. Um, uh, and I think even the big bands that my friends work for and stuff, they all took a hit in some way because I think production cost just jumped. And they were just like, you know, so that the way is it worth doing, you know? Yeah, I mean, well, the insurance, even some bands couldn't do it. And that's actually, the, that's kind of why the show started because I went to school for music or whatever. And um, I don't do it, but I know how hard it is. And so when I saw these artists, especially at that level, where you're not, mm -hmm. you, you tour and your merch is a big thing. So I was like, we talk, we do interviews, and then we direct everybody to go right to their site. You're a fan of this band, enjoy the interview, and then go get their merch, buy their stuff from them. Right, Help keep right. these guys afloat during this time. You know, and that was the whole mantra. And then it's kept on as, but we're, we're still <laughs> supporting music or promoting albums or promoting artists still, kind of, you know, keeping everybody up, up to what's yeah. going on, you know, on a, on a regular level. Um, so obviously, so you're writing songs. Are you writing it? You, you play all guitar. I I I play. I mean, I went to GIT. I studied guitar, um, but I wanted to work. I wanted to play in a band. Um, and at the time, they were great guitar players. Like guitar players I went to school with at GIT were just phenomenal. Paul Gilbert was in my class. I actually <laughs> shared shared a practice room with Paul. I remember okay. watching people, you know, through the little those uh, industrial door with all the, the metal in the windows, people just stare and watching Paul play. And, you know, Paul, Paul had a firm grip of what he was doing back then. He was really yeah, he good. Was, he was very gifted. And, and then other, um, uh, Jimmy Herring from, uh, from widespread panic was a guitar player there. And Jimmy was phenomenal. Um, and one of my best friends, Jeff Buckley was, uh, he lived in the same apartment complex I lived in and I was good friends with. Oh wow, that's pretty crazy. So yeah, I mean, quite 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 the competition there too. I mean, just it, yeah. it was the times of shredding and everything else. Oh, so it, you really it, had it, to be. You know what? You're right because that's when it was just starting. You know, getting really big and um and like Ingve came out on the scene and everybody was trying to be as fast as possible and you know make a mark being a guitar god and stuff and the Joe Perry licks weren't really making anybody interested back then. Made me interested. And I loved it, but you know, well, it, it, so, it's really so it wasn't mixture. really hard about a transition to go to bass because I'm like, I kind of felt like eh, it didn't excite me anymore. You know, it's just like, mm. um, so I decided to play bass, and I enjoyed it. I'm glad I did. But you still play guitar. You never gave up playing guitar though for songwriting. I I play guitar every day. I, I songwrite. I record every day. I play guitar every day. What is your uh, What are your main instruments? What do you have? Um, I. Fender Telly. Um, my fiance bought me this. It was supposed to be a couch guitar, which is just like a piece of junk. They sell on couch. Anybody comes over and plays on. But she got me a really good uh, Epiphone. Uh, um, it's their version of a J200. And it's, it's great. I freaking love Epiphone it. Epiphone has um, got some great stuff lately. Oh, yeah. And um, oh, yeah, Epiphone's great. I had an Epiphone Les Paul that was phenomenal. But you I know, went so through, when you hear it, you think, you think, oh, Epiphone, because of the age that we are. You think, oh, it used to be a knockoff, and now it's like it's its own thing. Yeah, well, Epiphone. I mean, I I remember I went to Guitar Center in Phoenix. So I was just starting to do the demos for uh, my band Razor Bliss, and I was I went to a friend of mine, Timmy Russell, drummer, and we were just going through every guitar, and I just wanted to hear it acoustically and see how it resonated. And I found a white one that was just it just sang, and I'm just like, that's it, that's the one I'm buying. So I did, and it was cool. Um, other than that, um, I have a 16, mm, no, I have a 73 uh, Fender Jazz 
um, I love. I have a um, here's my Rickenbacker. Um, I believe it's an eighty. No, it's a seventy-seven. Uh, seventy-seven February seventy-seven, um, four thousand one, and I have my brother's uh two thousand six four thousand three. Oh wow! So Good setup. And the other base he had, he used to play a lot of uh, Spectres and stuff, so we buried him with the Spectre. We put it in his casket with him. That was an hour. Sorry about that. That's just kind yeah. of a, a kick. But I'm sure you you it's going to be kind of special to have that, something of his, and to carry it on, especially because musical. Music is such a, a tie-in to yeah. so many people. So, I mean, that's got already been a bond that you guys already had, an unspoken thing. So to be yeah. able to keep that with you, it's got to be like a, a living memory piece, I guess. Well, it's funny because I used his Rickenbacker when I did the Rosie gigs. And, you know, him growing up, he was older than me. So he was able to go to Rosie and go to all the get clubs, too young to go to the clubs. And uh, I think it might make him a little happy that his bass was up there playing those songs and stuff. So it's kind of cool. pretty cool, actually. It is really cool. Yeah. So are you singing too? Do you sing? I don't know that. Are oh, you... I, I, I've been banging my head against that wall for a long time. Um, I, I practice vocals every day. I do it every day. I, I sing backup. Um, I just want to be good enough to do my demos and convey what I'm doing. Um, yeah, I do. Yes. But will you be so like on your own stuff? Like, what, are you looking to put the like sing and do your own stuff, singing your own stuff, or like? I, I you know, I'm Sean. I'm just kind of right now, just pulling the songs that are in me and getting them on tape, um, and just seeing where it goes from there. If I have another opportunity to use that, then I'll do that. I, I ask that because it happens is a lot of musicians have, have really been able to, to take the, uh, it's easy to say, like the Dave Grohl thing where they can take all their, a lot, they can put everything together they want and then yeah. later on assemble a band. And usually, and, you lead, know, especially, you know, if they're a drummer or a bass player that plays guitar. Yeah. Um, well, the thing is, is like when you're a writer, a lot of times you don't have other people to play. Like, right. um, I thank God for Charlie Dowell taught me how to program a drum machine years ago. So that was very helpful because I didn't I didn't have to have someone there to do it. I could program it myself. And that was a guitar player. So I could lay all the guitar tracks and the bass tracks myself. Um, and then, you know, I just I'd always hope to get a vocalist, to singer. Um, I mean, back in the day when we were doing like demos for Alice, um, Derek Trinian and I would do a lot of demoing. We demoed with Ron Young from Little Caesar, and we demoed with uh, John Karabi, um just before he got that Molly Crew gig. And yeah. John was great. John was phenomenal. John is great. Both, both actually, both of them are really great singers, and act, both of them actually been on the show. The Ron, is, really Ron is just got the most soulful voice. He's it, great. Just wonderful. Actually, so that out there, have you heard him singing? Because him and I'm Lauren, those guys are on the, doing the Crusados album. And he's singing. I just did an interview. About it. He sings a little bit different too. You really should check him out singing. Yeah, I would love to. Definitely singing in a different range. Like it's not. I'm like, he's just singing thing. higher or lower. It's just, or... It's, just, it's just different because you know the original Crusados, and obviously not the same anymore because they've lost numbers. Um, but when uh, they they rewrote, they got back together. Um, Tony was writing songs, and eventually the next EP they were together, and I was like, mm -hmm. oh, you got like a good hunk of. Little Caesar, yeah, with one original member, but the original member's writing. Yeah. Where's this going to go? I mean, I, I love Little Caesar. They've been out. I'm like, and then I, so as it says in the interview, I listened to him, but when I listened to the album, mm -hmm. 
like a lot of people think it's gonna, it's gonna sound like Little Caesar with Cruzados together. It sounds not like Little Caesar because Lauren plays oh. a different guitar style. Um, Ron is actually pushing. I mean, every now and then, if you know Ron's voice, you've been listening for years, you can pick it out. I mean, if you're a musician, but he sings so different. It's it's so it's gotta be so fun as a singer to do that to go to go elsewhere. Yeah, just so, like so a musician. I recommend you to check it out. Player. Yeah, you're a player, Sean, aren't you? You're a player. Yeah. Well, yeah, didn't you? It's it's nice to do different things. It's nice to get on a different instrument. You as know, a vocalist, and, it's nice to hear something different. Like I was surprised because usually you have a sound, you have a sound. That's just who your voice yeah. is. Like Lauren yeah. can pick up a different guitar. He's like, it's fun to play spaghetti western. Because as, as a musician, it's the challenge. As a singer, yeah. you're like, it's kind of like who your voice is. I mean, you know, Sammy Hagar is going to sound like Sammy Hagar. No matter what he does, Sammy Hagar sounds fantastic. But Sammy Hagar is going to sound like Sammy Hagar on anything he sings. You're naked up there. Right. You're naked. You know, and if you're not feeling well, if you're a guitar player not feeling well, you can still get through it. Yeah. Best you can get through it. Totally. If you're a singer, it takes so much. And it, it's really hard. It's really hard. So I have a lot of respect for singers. I was, I, and sing, singing guitar players is even more respect. The fact that you can do the two at once. Yeah. Oh, we want to go, me and my fiance went to go see uh, John Crabbe when he played in town. And he was doing his acoustic thing. And and he did uh, Seasons of Weather, and it was freaking great. And Seasons of Weather is not easy to play, let alone sing at the same time. Yeah. So it was it was really cool. It was really cool. He's a talented dude. He's a very talented dude. Yeah, he's very talented. Good guy. Um, under underrated too, I think. I mean, he's known, but I think he's musically underrated. But but with you, so like being a bass player and a guitar player, do you feel it changes your songwriting? Like, here's my here's my easy theory for people that maybe don't know. Well, it's funny because when I, started doing, yeah. when I started doing my Razor Bliss thing, I purposely wanted to dumb down the bass players and just play with a pick because I didn't know if I was going to play guitar or bass. And I didn't want, I, I didn't know what who would be getting and stuff. So, but the stuff I'm doing now, I just, I just play bass like I do. I'm, you know. Well, I mean, also as an influence, like, you know, when you listen to, like I said, Dave Grohl's always my easy thing. Dave Grohl's mm -hmm. also a drummer. And if you listen to some of their big songs, it's like drum guitar and i mean that in the most complimentary way yeah because those are some arena songs because it feels very written by a drummer i think he's actually may have said that or something along those lines and it's actually influenced that style and i've listened back to certain um musicians now that are actually drummers also the right songs i hear that in certain people it feels like so to me i was wondering if you're playing bass so long and do guitar if you feel like you're putting it all like bottom end or you're trying to avoid that because you want to have something different, like is it affecting your songwriting, that that being your other instrument? I think it does. I think you're right. I think it does. And you just adapt to it as you go, you know? You're like, I've worked on stuff where, you know, you, if you have an idea, like this one I'm working on right now, I had an idea on bass. And I started demoing it and stuff and I laid that bass on and then I, then I you know, I programmed the drums and, and I started doing the guitar part. Then I'm like, it's redundant with what I'm doing on bass and guitar. So I just scrapped the bass track and I just wrote a whole different bass line to it. And I kind of like it. To me, it's yeah. better. You Sometimes you have something that's a springboard to something else, you know, and something your original idea just morphs into something else. And a lot of times it's better, you know. Bass also can be the lead. Or, Absolutely. or it can actually play equal. I mean, Billy Sheen's done it. You know, and obviously Iron Maiden have three, three, lead, Iron Maiden has like three lead guitarists and a bass player, and it all still comes out in the mix. 
uh, Kevin Shirley. So right there. Um, yeah, yeah. And the drums and the vocals. So it all comes out. You can hear everything. And there's a lot going on. Yeah. But they, and they all play strong parts of the song. So it's possible to not take away from it and not just play dumb down the bass because everything has a spot. I mean, yeah. if you're doing crazy guitar, yeah, simpler bass or an interesting bass lead or walk, do, do like a walk or something is nice because it ties in with the drums. But sometimes it could have some interesting bass to complement the guitar because if you're a guitar bass band, you know, I get the same thing as having like the dual guitar bands. I like when you have two guitars that play together back and forth, like the Stones, mm -hmm. weave in and out. So sometimes yeah. it's good to have a bass player and a guitar player work together to help yeah. bring the sound out more. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree with that. And and you playing both instruments, I wonder if like you you think like that. And I think it's a lot of musicians now. The more I've spoken to them, without realizing it, the more instruments you play, the more you start writing songs more as a composer. Mm -hmm because you're thinking of all the instruments and you're not just writing a guitar and a riff and a melody and everybody throws a part in it that works. You're not building off of it. You're saying the big picture is this. Well, I do this. This goes here. Then I can go back to this piece and build off of this. So you're thinking mm -hmm. of everything as you build it, which is a different animal. You might get the same sound maybe, but yeah. And it's just an interesting thing to talk to people about as they, you know, write songs like that. It's, it's, it's interesting how it, how it all comes out because at the end of the day, you just want the song to be the best it can be. And if you go into like, oh, I got to have this guitar part on here. I got to have right. this bass line. And it's so, it's not always so important that that's on there. Sometimes it is, but sometimes it's not. And it takes away from it. And it's distracting, you know. Um, you want to do what's best for the song, you know. I agree. My, my phrase is serve the song because, you know, and, and, and you can go back to, I think, this was a lot of phenomenal guitar players back in the day. Mm -hmm. But they overplayed, and I love their guitar playing. But I, they really have a song that I can listen to as a song. I can be like, God, they're great. And listen to it. I'm like, I've heard enough guitar because it, 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 it's too much on the song. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're not going to get that. You know, and the uh, other thing is, it, you know, to the, for those people that play a lot, if they have the talent to make it make sense, like to me, one of my favorite guitar players is Steve Morris from Dixie Dregs. Yeah. And he's just fun. That whole band is phenomenal and how he goes from one pickup to another and changes styles and voicings it just it's just great I always loved loved steve morse met him once and he did a he did a seminar at german village music house here in columbus and he just showed up in his rent a car and is carrying his acoustic guitar and he's just the nicest guy hey how you doing <laughs> it's just really nice and a buttload of talent just so talented you know and it surprised me, you know, to hear that because I mean, I've heard so many good things about him, and, and it actually feels like a lot of people. Also, the bigger you are, the longer you've been doing this, the nicer you are. You know, well, you're humbled by it because you know you're at the mercy of it. You know, sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's really difficult. You know, so. But he was phenomenal. He was really great, really great. So what is your goal right now with, with songs? So you get just are you gonna like try you try to you know write them together and then see where they go, like put a band together, do local, you got an idea like like is it end goal? Like, I'm not album? really worried about putting a band together right now. I just I don't want to do that right now. Um I'm always writing because I'm always writing and I will collect my inventory of songs and if they're used for one thing or another, that's great. Um I'd like to find another band situation that's cool and works for me um 
and I work for them. Uh, <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll see, you know. I, I know gigs don't fall off trees. They don't. So, And plus, you want to be in the right band because you don't want to be in a bad band. Been there before. And that ain't fun, you know. And it's a lot of work. A lot of work. The world's changed for someone like you now. It's more of a challenge because, like, now um, – a lot of bands are doing these weekend gigs and the band members are everywhere. Mm. And they go when they rehearse for a hot minute and then they do a weekend gig, two or three shows or a, a Monsters of This Cruise or that. Yeah. These are all phenomenal things because everyone kind of gets a, a decent payday without being on mm. a bus and they fly back home for the rest of the week. And they probably make more money doing that one or two gigs with a full sleep. Everyone's getting older. No one wants to be on a bus all day. You know, and then, and then the, the value of a band playing X amount of money here, but then they're going to this place in between. But gas is expensive, so you get to play another gig for less money. And the fans are like, why? You're like, I just need gas money. It really throws off the economics of the band. And it's just, it's insane. And the merch at a site is, is just because the, the venues are taking 25, 30%. It's become like the mob on some yeah, level. The, the model changes. It, and, you, changes. And, and as David Bowie said, look out, you're rock and rollers, because he's right. Yeah. It's always going to change, you know, um, and you have to be, you have to be like, you know, if you're like an old oak and you don't want to move, bad wind comes over, you're going to go down. But if you're like a grass, you got to be able to be flexible and move, you know, and change. Right. And I, I believe I'd like to see the venues keep going, but I don't think a venue should take a hit like that because the band's not taking a hit at the door. If you want to take that, then say, fine, whoever the band's drawing in, give a hit at the door. Extra, are you are you speaking of like um March. live nation that that is not only taking a lot of money from the bands but now they're sucking out of their merchandising and stuff um not I, just i've heard particular. that talking, is taking a big hit too yeah. because it's they just other bands their... you know it's other bands playing small clubs mm -hmm. you know they're hitting them up and that's one of the things where i'm like all right i want you guys to buy the merch but if you have to you know buy it on their website before or after the show but yeah. when you need to buy it let the artists, because the artists will do it. They'll pack it up, mail it themselves. They'll sign it. They'll do something. You know what I mean? They get a note on it, and they get 100% of the money. And as it is, an artist will pay. You know, they have to pay for the shirt, and then they have to, you know, pay for how many layers of ink on it. And then, and then they're dragging it behind them on the car. How much gas is in the packing? And a merch person, and all the profits is going away for ten. Cost them ten dollars. They sell it for twenty or twenty-five. So it's, by that time, it's made per shirt. It costs them fifteen dollars, and then they're paying for all the boxes and someone to watch it every night. And then the profit might be two, two or three bucks. How many shirts do you sell to make a profit to keep a band on the road? You know, yeah. it takes a lot. You want to, if you want a bus, you need a driver, you, you know, you got to pay like through, a, you got to, you got to pay for things. You know, it just, oh, it takes yeah. a lot, you know, a and bus is like a grand a day now, at least. We used to say, I mean, cause when record sales got really weird and um, people were like, your record is just your, like your business card. Right. You're not really money off it anymore. You're making money on live performances and merchandising. Now, the live performances are now getting gouged out and the merchandise is being gouged, gouged out. So, it's rough. God well, bless you pulling it off and doing it because it's great, you know. It is. I think, you know, uh, me and Hale got real smart about it. If you read the book with Sammy Hagar, where he mm -hmm. talks about how they merchandise that the band. He's, he's a good businessman guy. That guy's made a couple, oh, yeah, a couple yeah, different yeah, things. Sure. Yeah, but he invented something else, like not like a fire fire thing, even before Van Halen that he sold that you don't even know about. He he just did with mountain bikes. The dude's invented and sold so many different companies. They did the same thing with merchandise, though, with the, the how much they sold it and they made it, and they really had a had a, a lock on it because that's where all the money was. They made so much money in merch. 
probably more money in March, I think, than most of the things they did. For, I think Sanders borrows money from his tequila company, too. He does. And he actually said a separate one. And he had another business. He said like four or five big businesses he's done or, and or sold or profited off of like that. I mean, but the point is merch was also so huge for that band too. That, you know, once you got a hold of it, making all your own stuff, um, and how could just bought their own vinyl company because, you know, a million things, the more you do your own stuff and a small band, you know, you could be a very independent person without needing any of that stuff and still make yeah. more money. That's what most people are right now. Like you could start your own band, Make your own stuff, print it, you sell to a thousand people instead of trying to trying to hit a hundred thousand, and be loyal to that thousand, you know, and you're going to make enough money as you were before. Yeah, the model changes; it does. It, you have to change with it. So, as you are looking for being so people out there, are you uh, a hired gun for anything now? Will you like playing people's I'm music? Hired gun for that if it's it's the right situation for sure. You know, like if so someone gets all my work, you know, it's being a hired gun. Right. Well, even even if someone says, "Hey, they want to reach out to you. They're looking for a bass player on an album." Some people are like, you know what I mean, looking for somebody. Would you play bass on somebody's album for them, like a session thing type of deal? Or, of course, of course, sure. So people can reach out to you for that also. Absolutely. I'll have the link for all your stuff. Yeah, and, okay. and, but and you're also if there's a band situation, you know, the right one wouldn't hurt to reach out to you and contact you and you know Absolutely. discuss the details. There might be something that might be uh, perfect for both of you. You and the band, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Where can people reach you now if they want to come? Um, they can re I have my site, TommyCaradona.com. They can reach yep. me there. Um, they can reach me at my my email, TJCaradona at gmail.com. And those are, or you can, if you're still feel like dealing with Facebook, you can reach me on Facebook. As long as you say, or my, my, my MySpace. <laughs> MySpace, yeah. I, you know, it was funny. Uh, it was about a year ago. I, I closed my MySpace like a decade ago. But it's still up there. They will not pull it down. They, I have no control over that. MySpace is like you. And I'm like, never, hey, if someone finds it, wants to go onto it, enjoy. You know, whatever. You know, I never went on it, but every now and then, if somebody has a MySpace link, and for haha, I'll go back to it. It's like a ghost town. It's like tumbleweed will blow through the middle of your computer screen because it's what like nobody's the there. Icon. The, was it the owner Tom? Was it Tom? Yeah, I don't remember? even. Was, yeah, was so you basic. got the one friend for Tom. Like, hey, yeah. it's just. It was so. I never did it because it was just too too crazy for me. It just seemed too simple, too too goofy. I don't know what it was. I'm yeah, glad yeah. things advanced on. Um, you know, Facebook's good though for musicians. You know, at least to contact them. Maybe not the algorithms. That's not good for anybody at this point. Yeah, tell me about it. I, yeah, I get it. Gets a little old for me. I'm just like, uh, I kind of. Well, there's like five like, people that could circle through your thing now, and I'll be people like, you don't see my stuff. I'm like, I don't. It doesn't come through my feed. And if I've got yeah. hundreds and hundreds of hundreds of people on my feed and most of my friends are all, you know, musicians, yeah, I'm yeah. not going to see everybody's stuff because it's just not coming to my feed. I can't go to each individual page all the time. Yeah. You know, it's just not enough time. There's so much, you know, they just bombard you with so much crap. But if they know? just let the feed go through, if they let everybody's posts go of, of everybody that you're friends with, you can mm -hmm. just scroll, scroll down in 10 minutes, catch everything mm -hmm. you missed. The fact yeah. they just choose not to post that. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely, and it hurts more than or more of a yeah. business model than just a personal thing. Yeah, you know. Um, what about playing out? Can anybody see you playing out at this point? Um, I am still playing out with Reaganomics now. We are we are playing throughout the summer, and our last gig is September third. So up until then, I'll be playing with them. Uh, we so I'm busy. I'm still employed here for you know for those months. 
and then that's it. No. <laughs> Could be. Well, with that though, I mean, is there? I didn't check. Is there a website or a place where dates they can check that too, or is that all going to be on your site? I don't remember on your site if the dates were there for that. I wasn't. Uh, if you want to see dates for Reaganomics, um, I believe they use their Facebook for Reaganomics. Okay. The Reaganomics. Just if people want to see you, yeah, or check out the band before it's no longer, because this is it. As we were yeah, saying this earlier, is this is it for the band. This is it. Um, Obligation, I'm, my brother's coming to a close here. So I'm happy I was able it. to do it. Now you're looking forward to what's your next big thing going to be? I, absolutely. I am looking forward to it. Because uh, the one thing about music is always something new. There's always something new or something good. I mean, could you imagine yourself not doing music all the time? In music all the time? Yeah, can you imagine yourself not doing that? Like when this comes to an end, like just not doing it all the time? I mean, it would be kind of... Well, it's, uh, I've gone through periods of it, you know. Um, I prefer to play. Um, I've always done the best uh, financially playing. Um, it, it's cool. I mean, I love it. It's a big part of me, you know. I enjoy it. I respect it. Um, some people don't. Some people are, uh, you know, they say there's no small... Uh, parts is only small actors. Um, there's no small music situation. Just people think it's beneath them or something, you know. So I don't know. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. I, I think there is that attitude, and some people at some point they're like, you know what? As you get older, like I don't need all the other garbage that goes along with some of the smaller things, the clubs, because because like it's not so much. They feel like it's not playing for the people. It's more about. All the garbage that goes with it, they're like, I can't be in a van, I can't be this, I don't mind playing the show, I can't argue with the owner, I can't be doing one of the stage issues. I just want a nice sounding amp. I want I know no musicians out, no like and, I know musicians like they're just like, I can't be bothered. I don't, I don't I'm not interested in it anymore. Right. It's you not know? about being above it, it's just they just can't deal with, with garbage with it. There there's plenty of garbage, you know. Right. Not always. I'm I'm really lucky in the situation I'm in because the guys were all great, the business is handled great. Um, and we're busy. We've been so busy and, um, it's, it's really, it's been great. It really has been. And it, it, when you bands are people, you know, and, and bands are, and you can pull one person out of that band and bring someone in who's a complete jackass and it'll just, it'll just change the whole dynamic of everything, you know? So it's about people. It really is, you know? It's always been that way for everybody. I mean, even even Frank Zappa, all the way back to then, you know, his, his saying was, what do you want, the door or the aisle? It means how you're going back. Because if you're not a, a member of the band, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. more important to have a, a good player than an yeah. excellent player that's a jerk that's going to be yeah. partying and not showing up, you know? They always say, I'd rather play with a mediocre player than play with someone who's great as a jerk, you know? But, you know, the mediocre player is more concerned about putting the gig on and make sure it goes right and everything and not just at some point know, though that mediocre player becomes better because they keep playing absolutely yeah. and that and, and as a musician you always want to play with people better than you you want to, you don't want to be the best guy in the band that would mm, you know right you want to play with better people because you, you learn from it you know you get better your chops get better you know as a player that's what you want i mean the, the, the window of, of musicians that were you know hot shots and jerks had about three years at the end of, in the eighties, and that was it. Now, now those guys are not going to gigs. You got to be a nice. You got to be a, a very the, the nicer you are, and the more flexible you are nowadays. Mm -hmm. That's how you. That's how you work as a musician nowadays. Yeah, 
you want to you want to get along with people you know um some people don't care but yeah it, it's great when you get along with everyone it's like the situation man everything's so nice it's just no problems and it's great you know and oh. it's uh it's a good thing it really is i want i want to thank you for coming on the show i mean it's been fun to get to talk to you thank you sean I'll, do you want to do it again sometimes do it again yeah. sometime. we will we will we'll do it again we'll catch up again it's great to uh to put it all together because i've seen you on so many different things and I, it just didn't click so it's fun to be like oh man i've watched you for years like i just didn't even realize it which is kind of funny and different well, things I'm glad, you know, uh, I'm glad terry fuentes helped this up it was very nice a pleasant thing yeah awesome. thank you and then we'll, we'll have you back again okay thank you okay. 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 Great day. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.